Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tony Brown, I say go. Go and be a coach. Go and coach South Africa. John O'Connor is our South African sports analyst. He joins us right now. Hello, mate. How are you? G'day, mate. I'm good. And yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. That, that accent is so broad, John. My goodness. Uh, let's talk. I've only been here seven years. <laughs> oh, seven years. Okay, right. Let's get on with this. Uh, let's talk about uh, the South African cricket team. What did you make of their effort? Look, they were hopelessly outmatched. Um, just, yeah, I mean, even if you think of first-class experience, so underdone. Uh, but the South African cricket board is in between a rock and a hard place. You know, they are in dire, dire financial straits, partly due to their own mismanagement, agreed, but also partly due to the economics of world cricket. Uh, there is now so much vested in Indian cricket and the money that it generates that this sort of short-sighted view of the Indian cricket board, which really is short-sighted, it is shooting themselves in the foot, where they do not spread the wealth that is being generated by a population of one point, what's it now, one point three billion people in a in a nascent economy i mean that's that's a rising middle class that country is steadily getting wealthier per capita and they're obsessed with cricket and they're not prepared to spread that wealth around and sadly um some of the nations that have uh, that just don't have the reserves or don't have the uh, tv rights have been affected most by this the obvious example being the west indies and the descent that we've seen from them. So South Africa was caught between this rock and a hard place where they desperately needed this T20 uh, competition that they've got going on at the moment to keep their cricket afloat. Um, then they uh, asked New Zealand to move this game or this, this series. And New Zealand, as is completely within their rights, said no. And so they were caught between the fact that they need the money to keep going and the way that it conveys their attitude towards test cricket, which is really a tragedy, because South Africa went, I think from about 2008, or maybe 2007, they went nine years without losing an away test series, which is a stretch comparable to the greatness of the West Indies in the 80s and the late 70s, Australia in the 
late 90s through to the um, mid 2000s um, where they won three series a row in Australia, three series a row in England. Um, they they were truly a formidable team. So to see the descent of the South African team, it's it's actually a tragedy for cricket because, like most cricket lovers, I think the five day game is is really the true test. Yeah, it, it's well, it's not it's not becoming much of a five day game around the world anymore. It seems to me that tests are finishing in four days, and we're done. Thanks very much for coming, and I think that's going to be something that we we talk a lot about. But I sort of liken this uh, the baby proteas, you might call them. I uh, remember the All Blacks had the baby bu- baby blacks, you know, when when things were going well exactly. all around the south. Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe it's an opportunity for these young men who aren't, you know, weren't fully fledged test players to show that actually, you know, we are ready. Dis- and you have to go through some pain to progress, surely. Yes, I think there's a lot of analogies between those, between what's happening here and the Baby Blacks after it was the New Zealand Cavaliers, right? Mm, yeah. In the 80s, which I remember well, um, and the huge excitement in South Africa about that. And um, was it Andy Hayden's broken jaw? <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Suck <laughs> a punch from behind by Bozzi Feldman. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of analogies there between the two, but it's still, the situation still stinks. Well, um, it, st- it stinks because of, from, for, from, from your perspective, as you say, the mismanagement from South African cricket. Now, what that ever that mismanagement might be, uh, it's it's come to play. And, and uh, yeah. uh Franchise cricket is the future. You just get that feeling, don't you? Franchise cricket's where it's going to be. Something's going to give. Well, can you really blame the cricketers who have, let's say, a 15-year window of making money? And they're making money uh, that is supposed to set them up for the rest of their life. And if they are playing in a sport that is now starting to rival, when it comes to TV rights, it's starting to rival football. You know, and the next round of negotiations is going to be ludicrous, especially when this new um, this new league is launched in the USA, and that has links to the RPL teams. And if that pro- proves to be a success with the expat community in uh, the states, then the amount of money that we're talking on the table is is enormous. And um, these young men, they aren't growing up with an incentive to play test cricket. Uh, and somehow, I think, as, you know, there, there was a great comment made a number of years ago by one of the Chapel brothers, I think it was Ian Chapel, where he said, if decisions are made in a sport around money, it never ends well. But if decisions are made in order to better the game itself, then the money takes care of itself. And I think in this short-sighted, view and it's almost like a money grab and also to be fair a reaction to the way that india was treated for nearly a century as a second-class citizen in cricket Um, and this sort of knee-jerk reaction to that that rebound reaction which is what happens it's a you know a fact of of human nature and the way that they have responded is short-sighted because if they look to grow the game then the games will get better, the interest will increase, and the revenue will increase. Fair play to that one. Let's talk about uh, Tony Brown going and coaching. Ooh, and being... <laughs> oh, see, okay. So you're genuinely excited about Tony going to be one of the coaching staff for the Springboks? 
Absolutely, especially with his designation as an attack coach. Again, we need to think in, as rugby lovers, not just all black lovers, springbok lovers. We need to think what is best for the game. I mean, it, it, I don't know what it says much about my sanity, but I still play Prezi's League rugby, right? <laughs> and and there's no doubt that if the Springboks were to evolve their attacking play to become more like the All Blacks when it comes to use of the back line, then rugby as a whole will benefit because they have the talent in the back line. They have Cheslin Colby. You know, they have um, a younger generation of wings that are coming through. They have an amazing set of, you know, two, two layers deep of midfielders. Um, you know, so th- there is such huge potential for um, using that back line and, and changing the attacking philosophy. And what is often forgotten in this last four-year cycle with the Springboks is that it, it was planned to move on from the 2019 game plan and to evolve the play, but they completely lost 2020 uh, when it came to um, getting opportunities to play. There was no rugby played because of COVID. And then 2021, they had two tests, one of which was cancelled against Georgia in 2021, and then they played the Lions. And that's the only rugby that they played from 2019 to a Lions tour. So they had to, instead of evolve the game, which is what the plan was from the coaching staff, to include more attacking elements and ball-in-hand elements, they had to fall back on the structures that they had for 2019 because of the importance of a Lions tour. And then, having done that, they then tried to evolve the game over two years, and you saw it towards the end of uh, 2022 when the Springboks put um, England to, to the sword at the end of the November tour of the Northern Hemisphere. And you also saw glimpses of that in the really great performance that they had against the All Blacks at Twickenham, at their ability to move the ball into space, which is the great um, strength of All Black rugby, is playing the ball not into contact, but moving the ball to the point where there is space. And there's always space in rugby. There's always a place where the defender is not there. And the ability to move the ball there is what differentiates all black rugby, along with really, really good coaching and administrative structures traditionally over the last 100 years, um, is what distinguishes all black rugby. So if if the Springboks evolve and bring more attacking play, more ball-in-hand play, more ball-in-play minute-wise per game into their, the way, into their philosophy, then rugby, gain, then rugby grows and benefits around the world. But you're happy with Tony Brown. You see, I, oh, is, yeah. is, there, is there a shortage of good any, attack coaches in South Africa, is there? Well, first of all, how can any rugby fan not have a warm spot for Tony Brown? If you know <laughs> anything about him, if you know about the way he played, um, you know, he was the epitome of the kind of rugby player where his inside was bigger than his outside. You know, that the 
as opposed to the Grinch, his heart was maybe two sizes too big um, for the body that he was given. Um, and then if you look at the success and the attacking verve of the teams that he's been involved in, uh, I think any uh, rugby fan would uh, have a warm spot in their heart for Tony Brown. Um, when it comes to South African attack philosophy, um, I think there's a lot of potential there, but the intellectual capital that Brown will bring and the openness that Rusty Erasmus has towards innovation, where he's not a slave to what was done in the past, that's certainly not the case when it comes to the way he approaches rugby. I think that that is tremendous because South Africa traditionally has not allowed the Springboks to be coached by many outside ideas. So we had Les Kiss was a consultant uh, on defense. And we had um, Eddie Jones came in for five months before the 2007 World Cup. Jake White brought him in and he, he made a substantial difference um, in that campaign. But otherwise, there's been very, very little sort of long-term input at the national level. And I'm hoping that it's not just about developing the Springboks, but they're going to utilize Tony Brown to mentor younger coaches and to work with the franchises in South Africa when it comes to attacking and ball-in-hand philosophy. You know, John, while I've got you on, I find it fascinating to understand that the Springboks are back-to-back world champions and they choose from offshore. Yet in New Zealand, there is this total negative attitude towards choosing offshore, but they've shown because, you know, as most rugby nations view the World Cup as the the big pie, but we seem to have this issue in this country of choosing from offshore. And I know we know that uh, Scott Robinson was wanted or has been trying to get Richie Mwanga out of Japan. Uh, Where do you, where do you, I mean, from from a South African perspective, you must say, well, I don't care because we won the last two World Cups and we choose offshore. Why, Why do you think there is this hesitancy in New Zealand? to do that? Well, I think it's very important for the listeners to to realize, and, and this is something I think a lot of New Zealanders don't, that it's not a uh, oranges versus oranges comparison. It's two very different situations. And the, the primary difference is the South African currency. So the South African currency, which is the RAND, is over the last sort of 30 years, 25 to 30 years, is regularly the most undervalued currency in the world. So when they do what's traditionally called the McDonald's index, and they compare how much you pay for McDonald's, which is almost exactly the same product in every country, how much you will pay in local currency, and then compare if you were to to do a conversion, how that compares. South Africa, almost every year is in the bottom three most undervalued currencies, which means that when you trade for it and when you exchange it, what you get in value is less than what it actually buys within South Africa. And that's why when New Zealanders go on holiday in South Africa, not only do you have a beautiful country, a lot of uh, shared history, um, incredible uh, hospitality and, and scenery, but it's incredibly cheap. I mean, I I was there in 2019, my last visit, and um, I hired a car for $19 a day. Yeah, 
Yeah. One in nine dollars a day. Now, what happens is when South African players get offered, look, let's step back. This is the Kiwis. The young New Zealand rugby players offered a contract in France or Japan, and he is offered a salary and a wage that is possibly, what, three times more mm. than what he would get here. But he is going to look at sacrificing his chances of making the All Blacks, maybe four times. When a Springbok rugby player is, or, or a promising rugby player is offered in South Africa, he comes from South Africa, he's offered a chance to play in France and Germany, he is then offered seven, eight, nine times yeah. what he could earn in South Africa. And that's a very good wage in South African terms, living in South Africa. And then he's going to go over there and they're going to put him, and if he's got family, go and put him up, then give them accommodation, give them a car, sort out the kids' schooling, um, and most of his costs are down. He comes back after seven or eight times that salary, he plays three or four years, he comes back and he's able to buy a house, he's able to set his family up. He's a, it's not apples versus apples. Yeah. It's apples versus oranges. At the same time, I can really understand New Zealand's viewpoint in that you have a small uh, population. And you don't have, you have actually almost a shrinking when it comes to men's rugby, a shrinking pool of players. And you're trying to keep the standard up. You can't um, realistically expect people to wake up at early hours of the morning to watch New Zealand rugby players play in France and generate sort of some sort of revenue from that. You need to keep interest and focus on New Zealand rugby players. Okay. Um, yeah, no, in the I, local competition. Yeah, I hear what you're saying completely. It makes a lot of sense. I had a text in just a moment ago saying on the Timber Bed Post text line, it says, hang on, it's a lot easier to choose from offshore when your players are playing in the same competition as the South African teams. I get that completely. John, uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for your insight into the cricket and into the rugby. Have a cracking Thursday, my friend. Thank you, mate. No worries. And I, let's look forward to it. It's going to be a wonderful series of matches between the Springboks and the All Blacks this year. No, it always is, mate. Thanks for your time. John O'Connor, our South African uh, sporting expert on the, the test between the Black Caps and the Proteas, won by the Black Caps. And we could even talk about the matter of the match thing as well. I actually might have have Sammy up on that in just a moment. Stay with us. 0800 150811. Are you still convinced Tony Brown should be working for the, as Sam would call it, the enemy? He'd call them the enemy, South Africa. Give us your thoughts, 0800 150811, right here on SENZ.